Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we're going to be going into the Salt and Light closet and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2023. First off, we're joined by Deacon Kevin Martin Jr., who shares some lessons that he learned from his dad, particularly during his dad's struggle with ALS. After that, we meet the mother-son duo Dupree. Yep, it's a mom and her son who sing together, but it's really good stuff. Just be warned that their album this year was a Christmas album, and so I hope that that's okay with you. In our second half hour, we speak with Bob Katz. He's the executive producer behind Christian films like God's Not Dead, Do You Believe, and My Brother's Keeper. He tells us about his latest film, The Blind, and about his conversion to Catholicism. And at the end of the program, we reconnect with singer-songwriter Taylor Tripodi, who has some new music. We begin now with Life Lessons from a Preacher's Father. Kevin Martin Sr. died only one month after he was diagnosed with ALS. Over a thousand people attended the wake and funeral. But his son, Kevin Jr., struggled with a bottomless grief. Neither his father's example nor his own faith as a permanent deacon fully equipped him to cope with the loss. That is the story of All is Well. Rooted in the Beatitudes, it is a story about family, miracles and baseball, rites of passage, bucket lists, and love. The book offers insights into leadership, marriage, parenting, resilience, practicality, suffering, giving, forgiveness, joy, and savoring the little things in life. And so to tell us more, I am now joined by Deacon Kevin Martin Jr. Deacon Kevin, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Andrew, thank you so much. I'm just thrilled to be here. Yeah, it sounds like it's same here. And, and it was a, a pleasure to read the book. It sounds like your sounds like your dad was a great guy. He was a great guy, and um, we spent years working together and years vacationing together and years living in the same two-family house in, in, in Southie and uh, just a lot of quality time. So we were very, very close. My and my four kids were very close to him and my mom. Just a very special relationship. Yeah, what a great blessing to have that kind of relationship with, I mean, with both your parents, not just your, your dad. And you mentioned Southie. That's uh, in Boston, right? That's right. It is, I, I grew up as an inner city kid. If you saw the movie Goodwill Hunting, yeah, I'm right. Uh, my me and my family are right out of central casting from that movie. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we can we can we can hear your accent. Um, there was one thing that really really struck with me from reading the book, and it was about the grief that you say that you experienced through your father's illness and even after his death, and that it just took you by surprise. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, it's funny, I think, like anybody, unless you're in somebody's shoes, it's so hard to relate. Yeah. I think of the deacon all the times, all the funerals I've assisted at, celebrated, all the funeral homilies I've given, all the times I've spent in hospice and visiting the hospital. And, 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 and sadly, you leave that hospital room or you leave that funeral parlor and I'm sure you've experienced it as well. You get text and your family yeah. said, don't forget to pick up the pizza. Yeah. And life kind of continues on. And uh, it was just something I had never 
experienced before. And I think, you know, my sense from reflecting on it myself and just talking to so many people is that um, grief has no rules. Yeah. You know, to give yourself a pass and buy a book and you can talk to friends, but everybody's experience is, is different. And I think mm-hmm. if we accept that uh, my experience might be different than yours, who might be experience, whose experience might be different than a, a common friend or a neighbor. I think we end up with a little bit of that's okay. Uh, rather than trying to walk in somebody else's shoes and say this is how it's supposed to work. I think it's just different for everybody. Yeah, and no one's immune, even deacons, right? Yeah. I don't want to go through a, a, you know too many of these lessons because people can get the book and we want them to get the book. But I'm I'm interested in knowing specifically what your dad taught you while he was in that hospital bed about suffering. You know, suffering, I get asked, we all get asked about suffering. Why did God let this happen? Why did God allow the earthquake or my child die, my grandmother die? Why does he allow cancer? All these things. It's the toughest question I get asked all the time as a deacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. And I think what I've come in my own faith and my own belief is that God is not sitting there bored saying, you know, I'll throw a little pandemic out there to keep things interesting. But I do believe that when we're at our lowest points, when we are able to stop and listen for him, that he's always there. And it's at those moments that we're down and out that we sometimes, if we're listening the right way, that God swoops in. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there are those many times during our lives when, like a parent with a child at the corner of the sidewalk who pulls that kid in and the accident never happens. Sometimes the accident doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And I think when it does, for whatever reason, whether it's cancer or tsunami uh, or ruled upheaval, uh, that if, we're, if we listen to God and we try to Listening is the hardest thing we do. Yeah. Being quiet and being patient and being open-minded, open-hearted is the hardest thing that we do. And I think, I think when my dad was in the hospital, I tried to have that pause and I saw him uh, really contemplative and meditative that that you don't get out of here without suffering in some way. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the, the, life, the middle of life, the end of life. But I think that he really wanted to align himself with the cross. And he felt this was his way to be aligned with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the notion of one of his journal quotes in the hospital when he was intubated was, I must suffer more. Yeah. I think in his own way, for a guy who did not had a lot of suffering, suffering more meant he was going to get to heaven faster. Yes. I think that though he wasn't looking for suffering, I think he accepted it. And I think he felt very aligned uh, with the cross in his suffering and in all the lessons of being practical and being resilient. And, and, and what's the difference between uh, happiness and joy and all these things? That just trying to get my head around suffering was extremely valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a difficult one. 
um, hearing you hearing you talk about that experience in the hospital and him writing that he had to suffer more um, kind of answers my next question because it makes sense that your dad is someone who would say that all is well and that's the title of the book. Why did you pick that title? So the title on the actual book cover is my dad's handwriting. So not the bottom part, but the top part, all is well. The life lessons part is scripted for yes. us. Of, you know, the cover of the, the designer, but all is well is his actual handwriting. Uh, now, which has become the family tattoo. I've got it on my right arm. Oh, wow. My daughter's got it on her side. My son's got it on his left arm. And so when my dad was in the hospital, uh, he was intubated. Mm-hmm. There for five days, and he couldn't speak. So the, the nurses gave him a journal, a, a legal yellow pad. That's why the book looks the way it does. It's got mm-hmm. that, that, that notepad to it. And he was writing notes. And some of it were very rudimentary, like, where's the nurse? Or uh, does anybody know the score of the baseball game? Yeah, yeah. yeah important things. Not the Red Sox and the Yankees playing tonight, but other things were really just insights into that love and joy. But after 32 pages in five days, his very last writing in that journal was was all's well. And it just kind of left me with this sense of peace, that he was at peace. And it wasn't that I'm in pain, uh, I'm scared, it was all's well. Just was very, very comforting to me, and like that great Bible story where the uh, the Shumanite woman son's son died. Yes, and when she asked about it, her response is, "It is well." Mm-hmm. And no matter how sad she was, she had this certain faith that that it was going to be okay. So I felt that my my dad's kind of final lesson of, of that all is well. It's going to be okay, and, and it, it's all, that's about life. Yeah, no, it's a it's a wonderful lesson of hope that even those of us that know it are need to be reminded over and over again that all is well. Um, Deacon Kevin, um, it's been really good to meet you and uh, and and loved reading the book. Thank you for writing it and for sharing your story and your dad's story with us today. Thank you so much. That was a conversation I had with Deacon Kevin P. Martin. Earlier this week, Deacon Martin is ordained in the Archdiocese of Boston. His first book, All Is Well, is published by Skyhorse Publishing. Here now is Dupree with their version of O Holy Night from their album At Christmas Time. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world In sin and error pining Till He appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of now we world rejoicing For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear 
That was Dupree with Oh Holy Night from their album At Christmas Time. There are a lot of singing duos out there, and many of them are male-female singing duos. Many of those are married couples, but it is not often that the couple are mother and son. That is the case with Dupree, comprised of Mother Lauren and her son, Dylan. Recently, Dupree had the chance to perform at World Youth Day in Lisbon, Portugal. They have four albums and now a new Christmas single that we've been listening. And so to learn more, I am now joined by Lauren and Dylan Dupree. Welcome to the Sultanite Hour. It's good to meet you guys. Thank you very much for having us. Great to meet you too. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start with you, Dylan, because you're not that your mom isn't, but you're like an accomplished musician in your own right. You're you're like a super talented guitar player. You've, oh, thank you've you. been out there. You you studied music. Why why do you want to perform with your mom? <laughs> well, you know, it just kind of happened. You know, sometimes God, I believe God has a sense of humor. You know, and I believe yes. that he uses all of us, and and we have different talents and different things. And I just feel like you know, singing with my mom is is the best way to represent you know, uh, his relationship with his mother. And it's just a unique way to represent Catholicism and and especially the Virgin Mary as well. Um, Just it's, it's a really special thing. And, and um, I say we're the Judds in reverse, you know, the Judds did it. They were mother daughter and similar reasons, but uh, why we write and record, it just makes us happy to do it together. And I feel like that's why um, we decided to do it. And, and Lauren, how, how is that? Do you fall into the mother role or, are you, you know, I love play? it because he's my son and yes, I do. Sometimes, you know, and we're, we're recording, I'm like, Dylan, have you done your laundry? Did you clean your ring yet? You know, <laughs> so it does kind of crisscross and, you know, I'm kind of momager, kind of not because he, he likes to manage as well. So we kind of, you know, go back to back to back with For that. Sure. But we are so honest when we write with each other because we know each other so well. Yeah, of course. If, if we think something is lame or something yeah. doesn't sound right. And I'm like, no, we don't want that. No, I don't want that lyric. That's not, no, let's do it this way. You know? And he'll be like, mom, no, For we're sure. not going to do that. And we kind of just agree because I'm like, okay, do it. And since, yeah. you know, my son, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll do it. You know? And it just works. Yeah. Out. I needed a, I needed a girl to harmonize with me on the first song that we ever wrote. I was, I was recording it by myself and I said, what, what do I want to do with this? And I said, mom, sing on it. And she sang on it. And then it just kind of happened. It just kind of so, happened. That's oh, oh. That's yeah. amazing. So, so Lauren, I'm I'm curious about you because your your family growing up. Did you come from a musical household? Oh yes, very musical. My dad played jazz. Um, he had a piano and an organ. He could play the organ with the left hand, the piano with the right hand. Oh, he had that's a crazy. Like a yes. So good. And my grandfather played ca- classical. He's Polish. He played Chopin um, on the organ. He, he it was always live music everywhere I went. That's and great. so, yes, it kind of just started doubling, doubling, doubling. And then Dylan got it. And I don't know, for 17 years, he's been studying guitar. But honestly, I knew right away when he was younger that he had that inflection and mm-hmm. he had that talent. He was trying to show me how to do it. And we're all left-handed, by the way. So we have to do left-handed guitars, Yes, everything. He plays drums and bass and everything too yeah we didn't start him out with a guitar yeah well, yeah first thing was drums i was like i want a little drummer <laughs> a little, little drummer boy um that's good to know i'm left-handed as well but i but I, I play right-handed 
I, I yeah. do not wow. know how you play left-handed guitar and bass. Like I it's could a not little do weird it. at first. I could not uh, do it. I could not do it. You know what freaks me out is the people that flip the guitar the opposite direction and, and you got the low E string on the very yes, bottom. Yes, yes, I've very seen that. Yeah. Very interesting. So tell me a bit about the rest of the family. Are there more kids? Is Dylan the only child? Are there more He's musicians the in the child. family? We okay. did have another another um, baby that um, you know, didn't make it um through the pregnancy. Yeah. Pretty pretty far along though. And so he did does have a brother. But, brother um, in heaven yeah mm -hmm. but yes he's an only child but he's like five children so it's fine yeah he, i am five me entertained yeah. busy the whole thing <laughs> so absolutely we're very animated over here yep just uh me my dad my mom that's it yeah so and and, and, dog, bam, bam. and and dylan and your dad's not a musician he's just sits back and takes photos what, what yeah but he's he's been my biggest supporter through the whole thing uh he's given me every guitar that i've ever owned he, he even gave me his guitar that he, oh, wow. he can play right-handed and left-handed guitar. Okay. He did that for a while. And then he gave up guitar for me. And he said, here's a guitar. And he bought my first guitar when I was seven. And then when I was like 13, literally gave me his electric Stratocaster that was restrung like Hendrix. So I couldn't get down to like the 22nd fret or mm -hmm. anything like that. Uh, so then, so then I just, he, we just kept, he kept buying me guitars, guitar, guitar. I want this one. I want that one. And he, he did it throughout all the years and then just gave me all the time that I needed um, and, and to put in all the effort uh, for 17 years. And then I ended up just kind of mastering the instrument and right. over time over a very long period of time and lots of work. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And were you always, I guess, both question to both of you, Catholic, Catholic, you came from Catholic families. Lord. Yes, baptized Catholic. All of my family's Catholic, Italian side, Polish side, half and half. Yeah, um, wow. we raised Dylan Catholic. Um, but you know, Dylan really, um, he really wanted to start being um, even more involved in church when he got in middle school. I just saw something in him. He's like, "Mom, when are we going to church?" Because sometimes we get lazy. My husband was not Catholic. Okay. And um, it took him 22 years, and then he went to RCI. And I think watching us do this ministry for so long yeah. um, saved him. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he can, when he converted, like we had been doing ministry at that very first church that we performed at in, uh, at Mass in 2013 at a contemporary Mass. And my dad was like, wow, my son's up there strumming an acoustic guitar that I got him at this mm -hmm. left-handed shop in the middle of nowhere in Sarasota that only sold lefty guitars. Um, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, but but it was it was really cool, like him, him watching us, and he's still watching us. And his faith yeah, is – um, he does have uh, stage four cancer as well. forgot to mention that. It's uh, Colin's all the viewers, please pray, 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 pray for our mm -hmm. family. We went through a lot, you know, a lot over yeah. here. And uh, my grandma had a stroke as well within two weeks. So we're going through a lot. Um, but honestly, it's just it just makes me want to continue this ministry even more and and just continue to make more music and keep playing guitar and and keep doing that because he's and really we, proud of us. We want to so. bring people closer to the sacraments as yeah. well, because, you know, we even have family members who are kind of drifting off and going to non-denominational churches or whatever. And, and honestly, you know, the best advice I ever got from a priest was when we're going through all this is stay close to the sacraments. Mm -hmm. and, and keep going with that. And God will give you the peace. I just didn't really know if that was actually going to happen where I could just be happy through these times that are mm -hmm. so tough. I had no idea I was going to be, you know, we were going to be punched like this yep. with all of this, these hard things. But honestly, it has been, we've been okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, we just, but I mean, it makes us want to go out and share what we have because when you have something like this and you, you know, Jesus and you're close to the sacraments, you just want to share that yep. and you want other people to have it. 
And so that's what we want to do with this ministry. And so we've, we've made a lot of pop music, country style music. People are loving it and kids are loving it. Families are loving it. And they're attracted to that. Even people who don't normally listen to, to Christian music because mm-hmm. they like the guitar as well. So we're trying to draw people in a different way. And I've heard Father Ripperger, is that his name? The exorcist priest? I believe he so. um, he yes. said this music is very, he said he's he's for it because yeah. people who normally are not going to listen, you can attract them and then the Holy Spirit can take over from there yeah. and, and great things can happen. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just on fire with it. But, you know, getting it out there and getting support for it is difficult. It's always a challenge. Yeah, it is. So we're looking for to build a team. You know. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't know how to find it, but we're no. That will. And you're you're in Tampa, Florida, right? Orlando. 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 (laughs) Sorry, Orlando. Yes. So anybody in the Orlando area, you can uh, look up Dupree. Um, uh, uh, Dylan, I was going to ask you. you, I mean, you've been described as, you know, like Eddie Van Halen, which is like (laughs) super. Uh, what, 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 I mean, that, that he's like the greatest guitar player ever. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> did you, did you, when you were growing up, did you think I want to be Eddie Van Halen? I want to be Jimi Hendrix or, or were you thinking, no, I want to just do Catholic music or Christian music. Like what, what is that? First, you know, when I first picked up the guitar from the age of seven to when I had the epiphany of, Hey mom, we should go to church in middle school. Um, I successfully learned um, how to play Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson, a very, very difficult song on the guitar uh, at probably 13 or something. I, I even auditioned for the Ellen DeGeneres show at one point because uh, I wanted to I did want to really be like Van Halen, like Slash and 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 Jimi Hendrix. There's so many of my influences. I can't even mention them all right here. But um, but yeah, I wanted to do that. And I felt like the guitar was just it was a therapeutic uh, instrument as well because uh, yeah. I, I have uh, I have ticks you know I blink a lot and I I don't have vocal ticks but I, I used to kind of in, in second grade but um they kind of went away and they got better but mm-hmm. when I was younger I got diagnosed with that so I, like I blink a lot and I I do all these movements so when I play guitar it tames them completely and I feel like I can let out all of my energy mm-hmm. all of my nervous energy doing that so I'm really good at impersonating I'm really good at at doing those things so I feel like that's that's kind of the reason why I started playing guitar and never gave it up it made me feel so good when I played it. And then it made me feel even better when I was playing it for a crowd and for these crowds that mm-hmm. people closer to Christ and the Catholic faith. And I was like, wow, I gotta, I gotta use this for that because I saw the response even yeah. on LFO. I saw the response of the mm-hmm. Christian, the Christian song we played. Right. So, right. Okay. We yeah. have just a little bit of time left uh, for one more question. And since we're so close to Christmas, I wanted to ask you guys as a family, what is that one Advent or Christmas tradition that you guys, uh, that you, that that's so dear to you as a family? Oh man. Well, we just like our, our tradition where we go to mass, Yes. you know, like at, at usually six o'clock mass or something. Then we come home and I always bake ziti yes. and okay. Christmas cookies and open gifts. And, and, um, but I think, you know, as far as the, the, um, Christmas, I have a really nice big, um, manger and i love putting yep. that out and okay. so i made my husband dig it out of the garage the other day and um i, d- I just love like to make that the focus nice. and remember you know why we're celebrating christmas and mm-hmm. why we're opening the gifts you know it's jesus birthday so yes. that, you know and also nice. since we are in orlando we like to go to disney world oh, true. and see <laughs> the christmas trees 
around every the year. Yeah. It, it's it's a little a little unusual. I mean, I grew up in Panama, so I'm used to like oh. tropical Christmas. But going to the beach on Christmas Day is a little weird now that I've been in Canada yeah. for 35 years. Wow. Um. Anyway, guys, it's been so good meeting you. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, prayers for you and your dad, Dylan, your husband, Thank Lauren, you. um, and uh, and your mom, Lauren. And uh, and uh, I hope that you guys are are making more music so we can get you back on the show. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank That'd you for fantastic. having us. Thank you. It's been really fun. You can learn more about Dupree at their website, dupreemusic.com. And it's Dupree with two E's, D-U-P-R-E-E, dupreemusic.com. I'm going to put that on our website, slmedia.org slash podcast, so you can find it easily. Here now is Dupree with At Christmas Time from their album of the same name. Let's go light the fire, sing our favorite carols loud. It's so nice to have you here at Christmas time. Let's go drive around, see the brightest Christmas house. It's so nice to see the lights at Christmas time. It's so nice to have you here at Christmas time. It's so nice to have you here at Christmas time. At Christmas time. Watch Christmas movies on TV So glad you're here with me at Christmas time There's a little bit of Christmas for every day of the year. We're listening to Dupree with the title track of their album At Christmas Time on this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro apologizing for the Christmas music. Check out our website at slmedia.org slash podcast. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. A few months ago, we spoke with Chuck Conselman and Carrie Solomon. They are the writers of the Christian films God's Not Dead and Do You Believe? If you didn't see them in the theaters, you saw them on Pure Flicks. These films are produced by Bob Katz, who entered the film industry with God's Not Dead. For several years, Bob Katz worked for Pure Flix and also worked on films like Case for Christ and A Light in the Darkness. His most recent film is called The Blind, based on the incredible conversion story of Phil Robertson of the reality TV series Duck Dynasty. Bob Katz recently became a Catholic, and so there was a lot to talk about. And I spoke with Bob Katz earlier this week. Bob, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up in the film industry. Uh, as strangely as I ended up being Catholic, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I am a CPA. I, I practiced, uh, I was partner in a CPA firm for most of my working life. And a good friend of mine, who is still a very good friend of mine, calls me up uh, one evening uh, and says, hey, I just caught my son watching filth. And God told me that you and I need to make some some faith based movies that are really good, that aren't, you know, sappy. And I said, do you know anything about making movies? And he, he said, no, no, no. But God told me. So it'll all work out. 
And I, I, you know, you, when you buy time, what do you tell people? Well, let me pray about it. <laughs> but I couldn't shake it. Wow. And next day I called him back and said, okay, Troy, let, let, let's give it a try. And of course, you know, our first movie is just, just like this gigantic hit. Uh, God's not dead. God's not, God's not and, dead. and I'm thinking, this is how naive we both were. Well, this is easy. This, this, <laughs> this is a lot better than tax season every year being the CPA. Let's do this. Which, as you know, it's not that easy. That God's Not Dead was one of those uh, incredible moments for, for in, in faith-based films. Yeah. But we we started doing more and more films because there was truly a need. There was a need for good faith-based films, and there was a need to get the gospel message out there. Right. Yeah. And and in some ways, I think that that's how God works. Right. He 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 picks the 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 un, the most unlikely people. And that way we know for sure that God's the one doing the work and not us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Pure Flix. I don't know if you had a hand in, in how Pure Flix came to be, but I also I'm curious to know how, you know, how you decide to pick projects in terms of evangelization or spreading the good news is your goal or your mission. Oh, how do you find how do you find those projects? Because a lot of them are are true stories, correct? Yeah. Um PureFlex has, has, of course, who we, that was another God thing, if you will. Uh, Troy and I, we didn't even know what we didn't know, my, my producer. Yes. And PureFlex had been making films, uh, but they went straight to DVD. It was a different model. They didn't go right. to theaters first. Right, right. And then God brought us together through this, of course, weird set of circumstances. And we said, we got a film we want to make. And they said, well, we're ready to go. Uh, and take try a theatrical, and so we teamed up. You know, they provided the intellectual property, if you will, and we provided mm -hmm. the funds and the and the the story. And you know, like I said, everything uh, just just it was just an incredible result for that film. And and we did um, Troy and I did three more God's Not Dead's, and then yes. Pier went on. Uh, Pierflex still uh, we sold the franchise to them, and they they're still making. God's not dead films. Right. So, so tell us a little bit about your journey into the Catholic church. Uh, what can you tell us? How did that happen? That I'm was, sure it's a long story, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the condensed version. I promise. I'll try. So I was, uh, I was born and raised Jewish, but in my twenties, I became a Protestant, what, what Catholics call a Protestant. Right. Um, and was very happy being a Protestant. Uh, and, Long story short, uh, you know, uh, four years ago, I just found myself crying out to God saying, God, forgive me. I just don't trust you. I've tried and I, but, you know, and this goes back, of course, like everybody to their childhood and things that happened, but I have such trouble trusting you. And I'm driving along and I'm listening to uh, Sirius Radio. I'm listening to the Catholic Channel and they have Saint of the Day. Mm -hmm. And usually I'm listening to Joel Osteen. I'm a Protestant. And I just, what, what's going on in the Catholic channel? So I flip over and I hit saint of the day. And they, the saint was St. Faustina. And I, they told me her story. And I said, you know, I'm not, remember now, I, I don't know anything about saints. And I said, what? This woman talked to God every single day? And he appeared to her? What? And again, I couldn't shake it. So... I got her book, which is about 800 pages. Yeah. And I started reading it. And 
and then I saw, you know, the divine mercy image. And what does it say at the bottom of it? Jesus, I trust in you. So mm -hmm. I cried out to Jesus, telling him I don't trust in him. He gets, leads me to St. Faustina with a picture. Who else in Catholic history has <laughs> a painting that says, Jesus, I trust in you? Yes. And by the time I got to the end of the book, my heart was so hungry to be Catholic. I can't, all I can tell you, it, it has been probably the best decision of my life. Oh my gosh, what a when gift. I to, when I go to Mass, when I take the Eucharist now, uh, when I read about the saints and, and the history of the church, and the, uh, I, it just, it brings me to another place. I, I, it's like God just brought me to the, the next pinnacle step. You know, mm -hmm. it, you're, it's almost, you're ready to be Catholic now. Yeah. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I, I, it's been such an incredible journey. I've had such good spiritual directors and people who are just so willing to teach. And I've, you know, I just love it. I, oh, I, wow. It's been a powerful, wonderful journey. Bob, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Wow. And it's kind of neat that the Catholic Channel had something to say. I'm sure that the listeners listening to this program uh, are, are going to be uh, uh, happy about that. Um, would you say that there's anything about that story that relates back to your journey into the film industry or how you ended up in the film industry? It's it's almost the opposite, and, and I've I've enjoyed the film industry. Although on a daily basis, it makes you want to tear your hair out. Mm -hmm. it's, it is the most inefficient, frustrating business in the world, and I don't recommend it to anybody. Yes. But there's such a longing in my heart now to take what I've learned over the last ten years and start to make film that has a Catholic message in it if mm -hmm. you will. and we've always tried very hard not to beat people over the head with the bible mm -hmm. but i have such passion now to really what i'm thinking of and, and no i haven't discussed this with anybody but i, I really would like to, to our next project to be episodic where we go to not not the saints that everybody knows not fatima and lords and guadalupe but there's a thousand saints that most people may not be familiar with that have equally powerful stories mm -hmm. and, and miracles associated with it and healings and visions and, and prophecies. I would love to do a series of shows uh, about that. Mm -hmm. Really praying hard about, you know, God, how would I, how would I, and how would this all fit together? Because right. uh, so to answer you, give you a long answer to your question. I really want to transition my filmmaking to, uh, to make films that 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 uh, are Catholic oriented, mm -hmm. uh, that's yeah. not, that doesn't sound. But you know what I mean. I, I think I know, I think I know what you mean. And at the same time, I would wouldn't want you to stop making the films that you've been making already, because mm -hmm. those are also stories that touch people's hearts. And uh, we can have our listeners praying for you, uh, uh, so that the so that the right the right saint stories or modern day saint stories uh, uh, come to you. Yeah, all the prayer I can get because I really now we we we've got quite a slate of projects, but I really want to find a way to do this episodic project as well. Mm. So that's okay. I, so I think that the Catholic Church has had a gigantic influence on our filmmaking, really. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to uh, more coming from you. So quickly before we go, in about a minute that we have left, 
Uh, the Blind, it's based on Phil Robertson, Duck Dynasty. People might not know what that is and maybe it doesn't matter, but what 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 is your goal or your hope for that film for people? Um, well, the, the family, the, Duck, the show Duck Dynasty was actually the number one show on cable TV. And the, when they did the wedding between yeah. Kevin and Kay, uh, it was the number one all-time cable TV I know, show. Incredible. Uh, so, you know, my hope, for the movie is this this talks about their life in their 20s you people see them now and they're phil and k robertson their their duck dynasty but the truth was this is a redemption story mm-hmm. he was he was an alcoholic a terrible alcoholic and their marriage was on shaky ground to say the least mm-hmm. she was willing to fight for his her marriage and he was willing to just get on his knees and beg forgiveness from god uh, this is a story that nobody is too far away from God's. Re- nobody's too far away from God that they can't turn and have redemption enter their life. Mm-hmm. So it's really people think uh, it's it's truly a love story and yeah. it's a redemption story. Uh, and I think you know I, you've seen it. You know when when Phil gets baptized, usually the audience just breaks out into spontaneous applause. Yeah. Uh, it's it it's it is a truly heartwarming love story yeah i love that because i get the redemption part but i never would have thought to call it a love story but you're so right and those are great stories that everybody everybody needs to watch so thank you for thank you for making it uh, and bringing it to us my pleasure and and thank you for sharing a little bit about you with us today i I hope that we can chat again for your next project i'd love to i'd love to yeah that'll be next year uh all right good we keep at it Good. God bless, Bob. Pleasure, Thank you. God bless chatting. you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a conversation I had with Bob Katz, producer of God's Not Dead and Do You Believe. His new film, The Blind, will be in theaters September 28. You can find out more at theblindmovie.com. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, go to our website, eselmedia.org podcast. Here now is Taylor Tripodi with her new single, Little. My sweet little brothers, how I wish you could stay this way, just locked under covers, wasting the day away, driving mom nuts, eating donuts, betting on who's fastest in this bunch. No, I remember being a lot like you, doing the same things, but never quite as sure. Couldn't wait to be old enough to do the things I always thought. Simple.
That was Taylor Tripodi with her new single, Little. We first met Taylor Tripodi in June 2018 when she was still working on her last EP, Awakening. Her first album, Be Glorified, was made through a Kickstarter campaign while she was still a student at Franciscan University. Taylor is now living in Nashville, and when motherhood allows her, she dedicates herself to ministry, leading worship, doing concerts and speaking engagements, and of course, writing and recording music. She is hoping for a new album next year, but she has some new singles, which we've been listening to. And so, to tell us more, I am now happy to welcome Taylor Tripodi back to the program. Taylor, welcome back. It's good to see you. Great to see you, Deacon. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's so, it's so good uh, to, to, to know that you have new music. Um, but you, you've, in the last, since we last spoke, you got married, you have a baby, I guess a, a, she's not a baby anymore, a one-year-old. Um, and there's all these new songs, so it's been a it's been a fruitful couple of years. <laughs> Can we say it that? has been <laughs> it has been a couple of years? I was telling my husband, I feel like ever since we had a baby, like time is just like choo, yes. choo, 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 like so fast. It's crazy. Yes, yes. Um, did you find that that craziness helped the songwriting or got in the way <laughs> of the songwriting? More inspiration, that's for sure. Lots more yeah. inspiration. Um, definitely having to allot time and be more um, focused in, laser focused when I want to write a song because before it was much easier, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely more inspiration, a little bit less time, but maybe you could say it's a good way of focusing when I do have the time. So I'm like, all right, I've got to write a song. I'm going to take this time. I'm going to do it now. So yeah. Now you also moved, you also moved, you got married and you I moved did. to Nashville. A, a lot. Yeah. We now, moved. So I, so I moved back in 2020 in the middle of all the craziness. And yeah. then during that year, 
met my husband um okay. and then we got engaged married baby and one one baby on the way too so oh crazy, congratulations crazy. good so, <laughs> okay you. so you you moved before you got married and um, it's funny because music definitely was a top reason for sure obviously mm-hmm. um but there is an incredible catholic community yes. here and a, a catholic community of artists as yes. well and so being among them and being able to um be inspired by them just very very directly is such a gift um so yeah there's so many so many different reasons that i ended up moving down here but definitely for the music and for the community um and then also i ended up moving into um a catholic women's household called the Gretti house so i was it was a faith intentional community of single women um that were all we just would all pray together every okay. night um, wow yeah, prayed with each other. Um, and it just really, it just really helped my spiritual growth in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I really believe kind of prepared me for my vocation, um, where I am right now. So um, God works in a lot of ways. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's funny that you, you join a community like that. And next thing you know, you're, you're getting married. So that's, <laughs> that's so great how God leads us where he, we need to go to prepare us for what's next. Amen. Um, tell me about these, the new songs we've, we've heard live wide opened and we just heard little, um, and we're going to end the program with late. Have I loved, Uh, I get Mm -hmm. the sense. I mean, I've just heard the three. I I don't know if there are more singles that you've, that you've released in the last couple of years, but I, I get the sense that love is a, is a overarching theme of these. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely as I said before, like God leads you to your vocation and every vocation is going to involve some love and some self-sacrifice. So I've been, um, I mean, I, as we all do, we reflect on, um, true love and what that, what that costs, what that means. And so definitely been, um, been inspiration for a lot of the songs that I released during that, that time period for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you, because you talked about how there's so much more inspiration and i can i can see how there's there's love being an inspiration i mean just looking at your daughter evangeline's face i'm sure you're just filled with inspiration um yeah do you i mean i don't know are you do you do you and don't this is not a judgment do you do you pray and get inspired through prayer or do you journal do lyrics come to you first or do you think of a music like how what's your songwriting process or is it different depending on the song I wonder I wonder what your responses have been in all of your other interviews because (laughs) honestly like I for me it sounds horrible and maybe I should streamline my process a little bit but I really it's especially maybe now as a mother too like it literally comes when my daughter is like pulling on my leg and and like, I need a, like crying, like looking up at me. Like it, it's just such a random thing. Um, at least for me, definitely come, it, it comes in prayer in reflection sometimes for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just such a random occurrence. And, And then sometimes even, you know, when your intention is to sit down and write a song, sometimes you'll, you know, think, Oh, lately I've been pondering this or I've really been inspired by this quote from the saint and and so I for me it's just all over but yeah I wonder if that's been the response that you've gotten from other people too it, it is I mean everybody has yeah. their own and sometimes that randomness is their process you know like mm-hmm. I mean it's, it sort of depends on where you are in your life um do you set out because I know well you've just told me that 
um, you're hoping to have an album or an EP out next year. Is that going to be a lot of these singles that you've been writing or are you going to sit down and actually write some music specifically for an EP? How does that work for you? Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, just songs that have been flowing out of the past two or three years of my mm -hmm. life. And so they've kind of just accrued over time and through just the different experiences that I've had. Um, so yeah, I'm still, I'm still putting things together. We still are kind of figuring out the timeline for the new year right. and when and how we're going to release everything. But definitely, I mean, I have, uh, it's been a while. So the last time I've put out an album, like you said, was 2019. Um, and so it's been, it's been a lot of just things in the works that I'm excited to finally like share with people and share a little bit of the growth that I've experienced and the things that God has been doing. So I'm excited. Yeah, so are we, because it's always a good excuse to get you back on the show. Um, <laughs> do you, so some of the singles that you've already written may end up in that album or EP. Um, they may. Are you thinking of a theme? Is it going to be something love? Is is one of the title songs going to be Late Have I Loved or or something like that? What do you think? Or Live Wide Open? What are you thinking? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because... Um, I have been wanting to record this album for the past, I want to say like maybe two years and just engagement, marriage, baby yes, yeah. have kind of, <laughs> have just really um, put up, put a hold on that for a little while now. And so I've had kind of in my head, like this one song called this is redemption that has been mm -hmm. kind of the theme behind a lot of the music okay. now recently um, I've been writing some different songs that maybe have kind of they're not completely far from that theme but they're just different obviously you go through different seasons of your life and you experience yeah, different things um so yeah still trying to work that out and kind of see if that is is that the main um the theme of the whole album or is it it's it going to be something else so i'm i'm still kind of going through that we'll see it'll be a nice surprise for all of us <laughs> it'll be a nice surprise okay um that's good to know and you're still doing live events worship events that's still happening mm -hmm. in the busyness of marriage marriage and and uh yeah. and the motherhood yeah praise god because i I, I i'm so blessed to be able to be a, an artist and musician because it is such a gift to have that flexibility of, okay, mm -hmm. you know, this month is looking a little bit crazy. We probably can't do something this month, but um, being able to kind of figure that out and, and um, still be a mom, still make that my primary vocation. Um, it's a gift because I, I really truly believe that God has called me to this ministry, even though it looks different now, um, but still, still doing events when I can and um, trying to use that gift as well. So it's, it's, it's been fun to juggle. I'll tell you that yeah, it's been fun to juggle, but I'm very grateful for this gift that God has given me. So, and so are we very grateful about this gift that God has given you, you. And, and, and that you can share it with the rest of us. Taylor, it's uh, really good to reconnect. Thank you. I love the music. I don't need to say this, but I love your voice. I, I still Aww. look at you and I can't imagine how that powerful voice comes out of your, your body. But uh, thank you for what you're doing. Congratulations on everything that has been happening in your life and the new baby that's to come. And, uh, and thank you for the music and for telling us a little bit about all of that today. Great. Thank you so much for having me on here, Deacon. You can learn more about Taylor Tripodi, listen to her music, and book her for your event at her website, taylortripodi.com. 
And it's Tripodi, T-R-I-P-O-D-I, Tripodi, taylortripodi.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And to listen to the full interview or to any part of this program, go to slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Taylor Tripodi with Late Have I Loved You. Darkness made a call from my heart Like a shadow fading over me But you flashed, you shone Your love fell warm In the cold that was my listening to Taylor Tripodi with her single, Late Have I Loved You, and that concludes this special edition of the Saltonite Hour. Remember to visit our website, slmedia.org. That's where you can listen to all our programs, and not just podcasts. There's a lot of content there, videos, and our blog, which includes my column, Deconstructing, and that's also where you can access Salt and Light Television, slmedia.org. That's also where you can find out everything you want about Salt and Light Media and how you can support our ministry because we can't do this without your financial support. That's slmedia.org. Thank you for supporting us. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to me, email pedro at slmedia.org, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or X. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro. <laughs>